Well, let's begin, uh, we're going to do part two of last week, but let's begin in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? What shall we say to these things? What things? Well, there's a lot of things that can be going on. And the, the word actually gives us the things to say to the things. If God be for us, what shall we say? What shall I say? If God be for me, who could be against me? I think one translation said, if God be for you, who would dare be against you? Well, it gets better than that. Let's read verse 32. He that spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for you. For us, right? How will he not freely with him? It's with him. It's by him. It's through him. It's in him. How will he not with him freely give us all things? Oh, hallelujah. If he didn't spare Jesus, but delivered him up for your sake and for my sake, because of your situation and my situation, if he did that, the ultimate gift, the ultimate act of love, how will he not freely, don't miss that word, freely, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. How will he not freely give us all things? Hallelujah. How will he not freely give us all things? Uh, you know, I had the privilege to uh, sit in some of T.L. Osborne's uh, teaching meetings when he was in Tulsa one time. And he said, you know, think. The hardest work in the world is thinking. You have the mind of Christ, use it. So just think for a second. Let yourself ponder that. Let those words penetrate into your heart of hearts. If he didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for you, if he did that, how would he not freely give you all things? Chew on that. Get some nourishment out of that. Let that affect you. Let that change you. It sounds to me like someone really, really likes you. It sounds to me like there's someone that really loves you. I, I love in uh, Romans chapter 3, while we were sinners. When? While we were sinners. When? While we were mess-ups. While there, the world would say there's no hope. While we would look at ourselves and say, what's wrong with me? I might as well give up. While we were sinners, Christ did the greatest act of love. He gave himself. He died for us while we were sinners. Hallelujah. That means it's not his love for you, how he likes you, how he favors you. 
is not based upon your perfection or lack thereof. God loves you because he is love. God favors you because he is good. He's a good God. I mean, look what he gave you. Look at this little man. Is he sleeping? Look at Jack. Do you know, this little man could have so, so easily been aborted. But God loves Gary and Jessica, and God loved Jack. So not only did he preserve his life, but he gave him wonderful parents. Praise the Lord. God's a good God. He's not out to get us. He's not out to try and make things difficult for us. In fact, he's made it as as um, easy to be received as it's possible for a being to make goodness and grace and mercy and Jesus himself easy to receive. So we started out last week and asked the question, what do you believe? And why do you believe what you believe? Well, you know, you, you may say, well I, well, well, I believe Jesus is Lord. Okay, good. In every situation of your life, what do you believe about it? Because according to what you believe, you will receive. And you are receiving according to what you have been believing, whether you recognize it or not. It has been affecting you. It is affecting you. It will always affect you. And so if your belief is wrong, well, you're going to get according to your wrong belief. You know, God's a good God, and he's full of mercy and full of grace. But he's not just going to, uh, th things don't just fall on you automatically because God is a good God. God made a way for us to receive all of his goodness, all of his grace, and all of his mercy. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about that God has reconciled the world unto himself. Well, he's reconciled the world, that's uh, every, every person on the world. Saved and lost, reconciled to him. And we're to go tell people, you know, be reconciled to God. And Paul said, you know, even just say it like as if Christ was, per I love it amplified, as if Christ was personally present in me, I'm begging you, be reconciled to God. Why? Because he's already reconciled to you, but it's up to us to be reconciled to him. Because God is love, he will never force himself on you. But boy, he'll give you every opportunity, every grace, every favor, every earthly blessing, every opportunity. He'll send people across your path that will speak words to you. He'll send people across your path that will give you a, a look of love and grace and mercy. He'll send people across your path. I mean, the Lord works through people. He'll remind you of things that he said. I, I love it when I get an opportunity to speak to someone. If I find out they're struggling afterwards, as long as I did what is our assignment as believers to do, which is, you know, I spoke the word, you know, seasoned with salt, well, then I, I'm total freedom because then I pray, Lord, you know, I spoke this, this word to them. Remind them of that word because you said you'd do that. You, you said you'd bring that back up. So they might have received it here in their head or they might have just totally discounted it, but those words are out there. 
and those words are working. And he said, I watch over my words to perform them. So what are you believing? And why are you believing what you're believing? For many years, many years. Well, I'm getting older now, but till I was like 21, 20, 21, I, I really believed that the Lord could heal. I believe the Lord could heal. I just didn't know if he would. Well, I knew if it was his will, he would, but I didn't know, but it might be his will today. It might not tomorrow. And uh, had some uh, traditional things from religious, uh, not, not uh, relationship-based, but religious-based things that said, well, uh, somebody said, well, the Lord, you know, uh, uses sickness and disease to teach people. I feel sorry for the Lord like that. Like you think like he had to go to the devil and say, hey, can I borrow your sickness? Can I borrow your disease? Because I can't figure out a way to teach these people except with sickness and disease. But Jesus, that's not true. I mean, but Jesus said if a, if a, a child asked for something, the father wouldn't give him a serpent or a scorpion. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Lord's not trying to hurt you. The Lord's trying to help you. And the Holy Spirit will teach us. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, and when I go away, sickness will teach you all things. <laughs> or when I go away, the Holy Spirit will teach you a few things, but there's some things you just have to learn through sickness and disease. Well, no, and, and you know, don't get um, upset at people. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And some very uh, well-meaning, good-hearted people have just believed the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not bad people. But most people like that I know, they're not like intentional about it. They just don't know. They just don't have light on it. So we kind of leave that alone. And we live by the word and teach the word. But, but the Bible doesn't teach anywhere that God uh, uses sickness and disease to teach you. In fact, the Bible teaches that before sin entered the world, there was no sickness and disease on the earth. And after Satan is locked up, there's no sickness and disease and not even tears. No crying or tears. And so uh, mm, you don't have to be like that smart to realize like, huh, interesting when Satan showed up, sickness and disease showed up. Hmm, when Satan's gone, sickness and disease is gone. And so uh, God doesn't use sickness and disease to teach you. He, he doesn't really have sickness and disease. He's pretty healthy. He's pretty wealthy. He's pretty fulfilled. <laughs> so what do you believe? So I believe for many years, you know, you know, of course the Lord could do anything, and he might choose to do that. But thank God I found in the word of God his will concerning health and healing. If it be your will, Lord, you can heal me. And Jesus said, Sometimes it is, and sometimes, no. <laughs> Jesus said, I will be healed. Well, he did it for one of them, and he's no respecter of persons, so if he did it for that man, he would certainly do it for you. Right. But, you know, I, I haven't done everything right, and I, I've made mistakes, and according to your belief, that's what's going to come to you. So, your mistakes and your failures and your sins might be a problem for you, but they're not a problem for God. 
And you know, if you, if you have those and you're a believer, if you confess your sins, if you come into agreement, yeah, I messed up. I made a mistake. You confess your sins, he will just really come down on your heart. No. I don't know what's into me today. I love this part. He is, if you confess your sins, he is faithful. He is faithful if you confess your sins. He is, you can count on him. <clears throat> he will never change. He has never changed. It reminds me of Mark eleven twenty two, 22, where Jesus said, have faith in God or lay hold of the faithfulness of God. So if you confess your sins, he's faithful. So you may be confessing your sins and you're in and, and confessing them. You kind of become, uh, well, one good thing is it humbles you to realize I need the Lord. Yeah. Do you know confessing of your sins is an act of faith? It's declaring I'm not perfect. I'm holding on to him that is. Amen. It's declaring I can't do it on my own, but I'm not trying to do it on my own anyhow. I'm, I'm having faith in him. Amen. So if you confess your sins, your mistakes... He is faithful and he is just or does what is right. What is right concerning a believer who has confessed their sins? He is faithful and just to what? Forgive you, which is good news, but not just to forgive us. But forgive is like, you know, I'm not holding this against you anymore. I totally wipe it out. Like I say on a proper slate chalkboard, you take a sponge with water on it, and it takes all those particles that were written in that order. Let's just write the word sin, S-I-N, and I wipe it with that. Do you know I can never get those particles back in the same place to write the same thing ever again? So forgiveness is significant. But I could be forgiven and still dirty. He said, I will forgive you, and I will cleanse you from all Every wrong thing. And in Hebrews, we learn that the blood of Jesus reaches further than the blood of any animal, which would just cover over a sin. It actually reaches into the innermost part of any person, into the heart of hearts, and cleanses you from a guilty conscience. Not only do you, are you forgiven, and God doesn't hold it against you, but he said, if you let it, my blood is created to take the consciousness out of you. Why? Because you've been made right with God and the prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. And he's looking for righteous men and women who will believe him and make tremendous power available. Well, we, what does it mean when we pray in the name of Jesus? What does it mean when we lay hands in the name of Jesus? What does it mean when we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus? Do you know it's a legal term? It's saying, if Jesus were here right now, this is his will. This is what he would do. And I, in his place, I am doing this in the name of Jesus. That's all it is. It says you're a part of the body of Christ, and so we use that name, the power of attorney. It's like, you know, and really, no, normally somebody has to die for that to come into effect, and somebody did die. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
So we're doing that in his place. Hmm, what would Jesus do right now if he were here in this situation? What would, what would Jesus say about this? Well, then you just say the same thing he would say and seal it with his name. You know, I say this in the name of Jesus. I declare this. Oh, think about the declarations of Jesus. Have you ever studied the declarations of Jesus or we call them the confessions of Jesus Christ? One of my favorite confessions of Jesus Christ is, uh, you know, the disciples came, he's with the woman at the well, and they said, well, uh, uh, let's go get some food. And he said, immediately, I think he said it because he was hungry. <laughs> he's like my wife, he wanted some steak. <laughs> some meat. Her favorite meal is meat, meat, and meat. <laughs> and so, immediately, Jesus responded to the disciples and said, it's funny, he, in the King James, he actually used the word meat. He said, my meat, they said, let's go eat some food. And he said, my meat is to do the will of God and finish his work. Immediately, he acts in faith. His faith is speaking. What's his faith? The most important thing I'm doing is fulfilling the will of God and the plan of God. Why? Because he needed the power to overcome the desire of his flesh to just go eat. He needed to keep his path uh, set straight in the will and the plan of God. Things he'd heard and things he'd seen in the word and in the presence of his, his father. Well, if he needs it, how much more do we need it? Well, Mark eleven twenty twenty three 23 says, Whosoever, anybody, anywhere, anytime, anybody who will say to this mountain... Mountain? I love that word. That word say is the Greek word epo. It doesn't mean like who's ever going to talk to the mountain, who's ever going to have a conversation with the mountain, who's ever going to say about the mountain. The Greek word epo, which King James translates as say, is whoever will. Do you know what it is? Command. Command. Mountain? Get out of the way. Like, I, I'm coming through. Like uh, when I was in basic training, you know. Uh, and the structure is coming through. They say, make a hole. Well, let me tell you, they say make a hole. That was a command. If you did not recognize this command, you would very quickly. And so whoever commands this mountain, how do you command a mountain? With your mouth. You say, mountain, move. Poverty, move. Lack, move. Sickness, move. Depression, move. So, whoever says to the mountain doesn't doubt in his heart but believes what he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Whatever he says. Well, that's a pretty tall order, but thank God for verse 22. Have faith in God. Lay hold of God's faithfulness. In other words, you grab hold of all that God says about your situation. I'm looking to him. I'm turning away from worry. I'm turning away from thoughts of men. I'm turning away from experience. And I'm turning directly towards Jesus Christ and what he says about this situation. And I find that in the word. Have faith in God. Lay hold, grab hold of God's faithfulness. In other words, 
well, this is going to work because God is faithful. This isn't going to work because I'm faithful. This is going to work because he's faithful. So you have what you have because of what you have believed and what you have said in large measure. I mean, there's some things that happen in the world because you're in a fallen world. And some things come upon you. You know, in the world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. So talk about all the trouble, be depressed and whine and gossip about it. No. In the world, you'll have trouble, but be depressed. No. In the world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Well, how can I be of, you know, why would that make me thrilled that he overcame the world if it was only for himself that he overcame the world. I'd be like, well, I'm glad you're doing pretty good, but I'm going through hell. <laughs> you can make me laugh. So in the world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So Jesus always intended to be involved with our life and involved with our trouble in such a way that we should cheer up. Hallelujah. All right, we got to get to where we're supposed to get to. So why are you believing what you believe? What has caused you to believe that? You know, we talk about um, Paul on the ship on the way to Rome. And, um, you know, he perceived that the voyage was going to have a lot of damage and a lot of trouble. And he tried to persuade the experts to, like, put off the journey for a little while. Well, do you know it is very, very dangerous to make a decision in a pressure situation without consulting the Lord. In fact, when you're under pressure, you really have to get out from under the pressure to hear the Lord. So you, you give the pressure to Him. You cast all your cares on Him. So they're in a pressure situation. Why? Well, these sailors knew, hey, it's the season of... Actually, it was coming up... Uh, our season's coming up there now. We've entered into it a little bit. But, you know, like I think it was like October, November. So it's when storms really come and, and they rage and that was coming up. And so the sailors are saying, who are you? A preacher, what does a preacher know? <laughs> they probably said, shake his hand, feel it. If it's soft, don't believe him. <laughs> if I feel my hands getting too soft, I'm like, I need to do something rough. Like. I shake the hands of my pastor up in Michigan when I was there, and I was like, oh, soft like a baby's butt. I just feel like that's not right. So, so he's like, what does a preacher know? So they said, you know, we, we got to, actually, they probably gave him them more urgency. Well, we got to go. Why? They were basing their actions based upon their experience and other people's experience. So what did they do? You, you know, is it a good time to sail right now? And then you'd be like, oh, no, it's a horrible time to sail right now. You know, I went out one time, and you know what happened this time of year? You know, the 1905, 1905 uh, on Lake Superior, they had, like, all these ships. And so in that time, most of the goods would go via ship. 
And still, it's the cheapest way to transport goods, heavy goods especially. So they had a lot of iron ore, a lot of minerals that they would, they would uh, transfer. And um, it was November. And there was one man who said, uh, we shouldn't go out. I think the weather's going to turn. All the other ship captains said, oh, no, 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 no. Well, we've got to get this load in because the storms are going to come. It's going to get worse. It almost never happens that there's a storm this early in the season. I think we lost like uh, 15 ships, went down in Lake, like we're talking ocean going size ships, went down in Lake Superior. So, so sometimes, you know, the experts want to talk to other experts to get confirmation on their expertise. But what does God say? So why do you believe what you believe? Well, thank God for wisdom. God gives wisdom. He still gives wisdom today. But the wisdom of this world is not like the wisdom of God. In fact, the Bible calls in James the wisdom of this world is foolishness. It's sensual and it is devilish. Well, you can see that in some of the headlines that you could observe and if you observe them don't stare too long because it'll disturb you stare a long time at the word stare a little time at the news otherwise you get overcome with the spirit of the news the spirit of the world you know you're like whoa everything is going horrible guess we're guess everything is just gonna turn out real bad well see look that input started to change your belief and now it's changing your words it's even changing the atmosphere in your house. How about, how about you know, uh, Joel Osteen, his father, John Osteen. You know, he was in an elevator, and uh, he's in an elevator with all these people. And this guy is just cursing, using the name of the Lord in vain. GD this, GD that, blah, blah, blah. And John Osteen looks up at him and said, are you finished? And the guy said, well, well, well I, I guess so. He said, Good. I demand equal time. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is a good God. He's going to do good things. You're going to curse him. I'm going to bless him. <laughs> you got to get your mouth moving. You get your mouth working. And you connect your mouth with your belief. You got an addiction. You got a temptation. You got a challenge. You know, worry is a sin. Worry is missing God. So we're going to look at uh, fleshly sins and kind of turn our nose down at fleshly sins. We're going to have people like, they're worried that God's not going to provide. They're, they're worried that the relationship will never be restored. They're worried that this and worried that that. And cozying up with worry. I'm not really wanting to say which one is worse. Let's just believe God. Refuse to worry. Re refuse to be fretful. Refuse to be stressed out. I am stressed out. That's the surest way to get stressed out or to stay stressed out. And, and now you may be in a situation, you know, Proverbs says it is foolish. 
to rise up early and go to bed late. Well, so you can't rise up early consistently, go to bed late consistently and confess I have the strength of God because you're actually going against the word. So you may find yourself in a situation where, where you need to pray and ask the Lord for wisdom to change the situation because you cannot sustain it. I like Pastor Mac Hammond says, maximum sustainable effort. So I, I'm a long-distance runner, jogger. Correct that, jogger. Long-distance jogger. And so it, it's so fun to me to have young people come and say, I want to go for a jog with you. Because I pretty much know what they're going to do is they're going to try to sprint and show me how fast they are. <laughs> and within a mile, they're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to walk a little bit. And then, oh, then they're going to and I just walk. And I just keep going. And last time that happened a, few, a couple months ago, sure enough, sprint and then walk and then sprint and they're still ahead of me walk and then sprint and they're ahead of me I turn around come back it was a short run like three and a half miles uh, I even actually extended my run I told him where I was going to turn around but I said well I'm going to go a little further so I made it a four mile run so I turn around at about mile two and a half I pass them <laughs> slow and steady this 47-year-old man, faster than the 15- and 16-year-old young ladies. So, well, sure enough, people want to like, whoo, I'm, I'm going to go. No, maximum sustainable effort. And so, uh, you know, your body is natural. Your spirit is supernatural. Well, you have to learn how to take care of your body and treat your body right. You need adequate rest. You need the right kind of food. You know, you can't just say, well, you know, I believe God that he's going to make this cheeseburger <laughs> lacking in calories, full of nutrition. I was just in Louisiana and like, man, it took me years to find good food there. So now I just eat the salads. I'm like, okay, this is good food. Why do you believe what you believe? Let's go to our, our, our main scripture text for this, which is Mark 9, verse 23. Mark 9, 23. The man with the uh, boy that had a spirit. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to, to you just because you're a Christian, because you believe Jesus is Lord. No. All things are possible to him that... These signs don't follow Christians. Jesus never said those signs follow Christians. He said the signs follow those who believe. And hopefully Christians are the believing ones, but what we call Christians isn't always somebody who is active in their faith. They're believing, right? So these signs will follow them that believe. Well, Jesus said right here, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Why did he say that? Well, let's back up one verse to verse 22. You like this? Okay, let's back up to verse 22. 
He's talking about all the problems that his son has, and he picks up kind of in the middle of a sentence here. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But listen to this phrase right here. If you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And, and what is Christ's response? He said, if you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. Jesus said unto him, I love how the Lord speaks to you. If you can believe. He said, Jesus, if you can do it. And Jesus said, if you can believe. You know, Jesus didn't say, of course, I am mighty in power indeed. I will deliver this your child. Interesting, Jesus is dealing with the man's belief, what he believes. Well, how did this man, what is he saying? Well, in verse 22, he said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I think that came because, remember when uh, the woman with the issue of blood came through the press and tried to touch his garment? Because she said, she said, she said. Uh, the Greek actually means that she kept on saying, if I can just touch his clothes, just the edge of his clothes, if I can just touch the edge of his clothes, I'll be healed. But right before that woman interrupted, Jesus was, he had just arrived in the land of Gennesaret and there was a man who was demon-possessed. This man's son was demon-possessed. Well, there was a man who was demon-possessed who was in the tombs, and he'd cry and cut himself with stones. And Jesus, remember he cast the devils out of that man? Went into the, into the pigs? And then there were some pig farmers? And Jesus said to those pig farmers, Go into the city and into the countryside and tell what good things the Lord has done. He said that he has had compassion. And then, and then that man said, Jesus, my life has been so changed. I want to join your team and travel with you. And Jesus said, no. You go, go to your friends and tell them what good things the Lord has done for you this day for he has had compassion on you. So I suppose that this father heard those words that that news spread to this father. Hey, you know, there were, you remember that guy, that total crazy guy? He would cut himself with stones. He was in the tombs. He was naked. He'd break chains no matter what. Jesus had compassion on him. So he came to Jesus in verse 22 and he said, you know, he's got all kinds of problems, you know, that the spirits, they throw him into the fire and into the water. And if you can do anything, have compassion on him. Jesus answered that man, and he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Well, I looked up that word can. You know what the word can means? You know, in the Greek, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it says dunamai, I think is the closest pronunciation I could give you. Dunamai? You know, it sounds like what word? 
dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. Explosive power. It literally means if you are able or have the power to do it. So this man said to Jesus, if you are able or have the power to do anything, have compassion on my son. Jesus said, if you are able or have the power to believe, all things are possible. Maybe I need to say that again. Jesus said in response to the cry of the man's heart to have compassion on his son, Jesus' response was, you're looking for me to exert power in this situation? If you are able to exert some power by believing, all things are possible to him that believes. If you just believe, the power is in the believing. And the believing is in Christ, in the Word, right? Everybody's really quiet. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If you are able, if you have the power, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 21. Romans chapter 4, verse 21. So um, I thought we'd be here sooner than what we are. I'm going to back up to verse 17, read all the way down through 21. This is talking about the faith of Abraham. As it's written, I have made you the father of many nations. Before him whom he, listen to that word believe, believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Well, if God calls those things which be not as though they were, it wouldn't be a sin for you or I to call those things which be not as though they were if we heard from the word of God what he says about the situation. Let the weak say, I am. Let the poor say, I am. Because of how strong we are in faith. No, because of what the Lord has done. Don't forget that. Let the weak say, I am. How does that handle with your reason? Let me think. Weak, poor, strong and rich. I mean, the poorer you are, the more bolder your confession should be. The weaker you are, the more bolder your confession should be. Well, weak means you don't have the strength to counteract this situation. You can't resist this. What happens if you can't resist it? You need some resistance training. We just finished with that series a few weeks ago. Well, this will work in your natural body. If you're weak in your natural body, say you're strong. Somebody said, well, I I can't say I'm strong because I'm weak. I know that. But he said, let the weak say, I am strong. If you can't say I'm strong, well, the Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you can't say I'm strong, at least you could say 
I'm being strengthened. The Lord is strengthening me. And I guarantee you, you, you line your lips up with that from what the Word says, before long, you, won't be say, you'll, you will not only say, the Lord is strengthening me, you'll say, I'm strong. The Lord has made me strong. The Lord is making me stronger now than I was before. I'm receiving strength from Him. The Lord is strengthening me. My strength comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. My direction comes from the Lord. The Lord is doing good things for me. The Lord is helping me. He's helping us, isn't he? He is our helper. He's helping you right now if you listen to his spirit. He can answer a thousand, a million, a billion situations at one time if you'll just believe him. I think I'll, uh, ooh, praise the Lord. Okay. Who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Speaking of Abraham, who against hope, we talked about this last week, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so will your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now faith. Weak faith considers your own body. Weak faith considers the circumstances. Weak faith considers what the senses feeds, feed to it. Oh, you know, they didn't shake your hand. They obviously don't like you. They're obviously mad at you. Oh, the Bible says, let he that would have friends show himself friendly. And so if you walk into a group of people expecting and believing that they're just going to ignore you, that nobody wants to be your friend, you're going to put that perfume on yourself and create that reality in your life. No, people want to be my friend. From a distance, no, okay. <laughs> That's the introvert coming out, okay. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about 100 years old, or the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief will stagger. Well, if God said it, why would you stagger? Because God says some things that go so far beyond what you have experienced or what your natural mind has ever heard or experienced or reasoned out that if you're not careful, you'll resist the very goodness of God coming to you. The problem is not with the giver. The problem is with the receiver. Do you have the capacity to receive all that he has for you? How do you get capacity to receive? <laughs> Remember what this father said when Jesus said, if you can believe? This father said, I do believe. Like immediately, it says he immediately said, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh, he, he didn't grovel and be like, well, I don't know what I went, you know, I don't know. Well, I do believe. You can believe. You can believe anything you want to believe. And you are believing what you want to believe. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform, he can perform, he has the power to perform, he has the dunamis to perform. Abraham grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that he had the power to perform the promise. God is the performer. We are the believers. If you can believe, you can tap into the power of God in your situation. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. What are you believing? Why are you believing what you believe? Remember last week I talked about in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talks about in verse 33, many people have heard that, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. What's he talking about? Well, he said, you know, what about clothes to eat? Um, clothes to eat. Clothes to wear, <laughs> food to eat, a place to live. And Jesus said, in response to their unbelief, about the provision of God, Jesus said to fix their unbelief, he's like, got to change what they believe. Remember what he did? He said, consider the birds of the air. They don't labor, they don't toil, yet your heavenly Father provides for their needs. Look at how beautiful they are. They're clothed beautifully. Look at how they eat. Look, they have a place to live. So he finds a place where you can believe. Like the Father. And then he said what? Are you not much more valuable than they are? What? He's getting you to think, to consider. Why? Because he wants to change your beliefs that God will provide for. Not God will provide for me. God will provide for me like a, 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 a bold declaration because of a bold knowing God is my provider. I will never lack for a place to live. I will never lack for food. I will never lack for clothing. Well, if you need a house, you probably need a vehicle. I will never lack for a vehicle. Well, you could actually take that another step further. Do you see how beautiful the flowers are in the field, how beautiful the birds are. I mean, I don't know, I've seen very few little birds and maybe they're getting ready to die that look like they had last year's clothes on. I mean, come on. I'm disappointed to admit that my kids have cats. Okay. But even the cats get a new coat. Oh, did I just offend you? Yeah. Just walk in the spirit, sister. Just walk in the spirit. <laughs> so take it a step further. I think the Lord said uh, about the lilies of the field in all of their splendor. Why did he say that? Well, not only... Are they in splendor? But he was relating it to you and to me. If he, if he did that for those, are you not much more valuable 
than those. We're like, so the Lord's not against your reasoning as long as it's through the word. Yielded to the spirit. So reason that out for a second. Come, let us reason together. Wait a second. He takes care of all of those animals and plants, and they're beautiful. And they don't worry about what's going to happen if they're going to be provided for. I am more valuable than they are. That's right. He's right. I am more. I believe God values me more than he values them. If you don't believe that, you, you need to go to the Word and find out. I do believe that. What happens now? Fear of provision leaves. Why? The entrance of his word gives light. Gives understanding. What did Psalm 119 say? To the simple. Don't be overcomplicated. Just a little mustard seed of faith. Change your whole world. Change your whole life. Change your neighbor's world. Change your neighbor's life. Where you work, just activate your faith. If he cares for them, how much more will he care for you? How much more? What are you believing? What's caused you to believe what you're believing? What experiences have contaminated your faith? What reason has crept in to cause you to live below what Jesus has provided for you. There is joy in believing. One of the greatest ways you know you're believing is you're full of the joy of the Lord. With joy, we draw waters from the wells of salvation. It's a good message. I'm not saying my message here. I'm saying the message of faith. The Word of God. That's a good message too, but it's a good message. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that there's not a problem that you could cause to come into your life or the devil could directly come and attack upon you that faith in God will not release every bondage, every chain, every hindrance. You are more than an overcomer. You don't, don't just overcome. You overcome. You bring others with you. You're full of joy, full of strength, full of faith. You got a good future. God knows exactly where you're at. Let's finish where we started. If he didn't withhold his own son, how would he not freely give you all things? If you need wisdom, ask God. He's the God of all wisdom. If you need mercy, ask the Lord for mercy. Somebody said, well, I, I just keep messing up. I just keep messing up. Do you know what the Bible says? This is a really interesting scripture. We'll finish with this. A righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. Would you think about that for a second? I thought a righteous man was a perfect man. I thought a righteous man is someone who never made a mistake, who doesn't make mistakes. I must have thought wrong. A righteous man is born righteous 
because Jesus became sin for that man. Him who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, was made to be sin for us that we might be made or you could say created, especially because three verses before, four verses before, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. How do you get to be righteous? You get born again. When you're born again, you're born righteous. You are born the righteousness of God in Christ. Stand with me, if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you have never been born again, do you know you can actually be born a second time? The Bible really literally calls it being born from above. God loves you. And he has an awesome plan for your life. You might think God's mad at you. God's dissatisfied with you. He's not. He loves you. And he has made a way for you to get rid of all the guilt, for your past to be gone, all of your sins to be forgiven. Not only forgiven, but for them to be wiped out of existence. And the only way to do that is not to come based upon what you have done, good or bad, but it's to come based upon what Jesus has done, and it's all good. He took all the bad on himself. He took all the punishment, all the penalty for your sins and my sins, the sins of the whole world, so that anyone that believed would be set free. That anyone that believed would come into the family of God, would become a brand new person on the inside, on your way to heaven, not going to hell. Jesus is Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you take a stand by saying with your mouth, He is Lord, that you will be saved. All you have to do is believe it in your heart, declare it with your mouth. You mean what you say. I'm making a change. I'm not going to live how I used to live any longer. I'm not calling the shots in my life anymore. I'm making Jesus my Lord. If you want to do that, just slip up your hand with me. I'm going to pray with you and for you. I'm not going to have you come forward, but we're all going to pray together. And what's going to happen is when you pray that prayer from your heart, God is going to hear your prayer. God is going to come into your heart, change your life. You'll never be the same again. Your sins will be forgiven. You will be recreated. And you'll get a brand new nature. Let's say this together. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I take you as my Lord. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me, for saving me, and for making me a part of your family. I'm a brand new person because of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.